Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not a ton. Uh, you know, hopefully a little bit more today than yesterday. We're getting closer and closer to uh, some some real Cowboys news. We got practices, practices and shells by the end of the yeah. week. We're starting to hear interviews. You know, the trickle is still a trickle, but it's 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 picking up steam a little bit. Absolutely. Um, we're going to answer your Twitter questions today, and we've got a bunch of them. And I want to start with this one because I think it's very topical. Um, this one comes from at FrankieKen28. With the college season uncertain, can you guys discuss trading draft picks this year that could help the team win during the 2020 season? Um, I think this is fascinating, Landon, because I think, I mean, at least we're trending in the direction with no college football season, at least for Mm. several Power Five conferences. We saw yesterday that, uh, or over the last couple days, the MAC canceled their conference, the Mountain West canceled their season. Um, so we're not going to get a lot of film on some of these college prospects. So do you think the Cowboys should consider trading, you know, high leverage picks, first, second, third round picks for guys that can help them win now rather than drafting players who haven't played since, you know, the 2019 season? <laughs> the, the sheer volume of angles to cover on this story. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's 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 start. Let's start way back okay let's start pulling way back all right first of all the first problem you have is that you still don't have a a confirmed you know uh roadmap for what college football is going to look like next year there was a lot of talk yesterday about the you know certain leagues canceling and that it was all but certain and then there was also talk at the end of the day that the pac-12 or or the sec and some of the other conferences were talking about uh, joining was it the what the Big Twelve or what are the it other would be the, I think it was about? the Big Ten some of those schools joining the Big, Big Twelve Ten. yeah yeah about about you know uh, delaying their season until spring right yeah. so if that happens then then you know what happens with the draft and we still don't have any information from the NFL well we actually do a little so, bit I don't know if you saw this yesterday according, oh, I did. according oh, to the NFL and the Players Association their last collective bargaining agreement. They absolutely have to have a draft by June second of twenty twenty one. They cannot have one later than that. Okay, well, so uh, even if there's spring football, right? Yep. Like, I can't imagine these players getting. I mean, maybe I guess, but, but it's just, like uh, March, it, April, May, and turn around and have meetings. And then turn around and get like, drafted yeah, without any kind of. Yeah, I mean that's also zero evaluation time, you know, on these players. Really, it's you basically watch them live. I mean, just because the sheer volume, you don't have the the extra two months to pour through a thousand football Correct. players, right? Yep. So, really, I think one thing that, that the Cowboys fans can ra- you know, rest their heads on is that you know we have one of the best financed and, and best organized scouting departments in football. Yep. I mean, I think that's pretty well documented. So, I think that does give the Cowboys a distinct advantage here. Uh, that that is even grown more by this situation. 
going back to the original question, the other you know one of the other angles here is salary. Yep, cap, that's a right? good point. Like yep. the, the the way the salary cap uh, potentially being flat and or going down next year, that will you know eliminate a certain chunk of teams that would be interested in doing this kind of process. Even though like the the question like the person who asked the question said the 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 draft pick probably holds less value than it does in a normal year because you're not getting that same level of evaluation so i think the other part of that is that they still have to be able to afford to sign the player so what that means is that a, a large portion of the nfl is probably out on leveraging this you know uh decreased value in first round picks to trade for high name players because uh, you know they don't have the, the cap space to to re-sign this player to a new deal, which is you know usually what is required of a big name player being traded. So I think that this can happen, you know, in in the kind of middle class of the NFL where you're talking about you know trading a, a guy for maybe a prove it deal mm-hmm. or something, or or trading a guy and without necessarily having the uh, uh, the intent on re-signing him if you think you're like trying to like if it's a team that's loading up for a for a you know Super Bowl run or something maybe you do trade a, a lower a late round pick uh, which you know this year is basically a throwaway you know mm-hmm. it's basically yeah, a roll of the dice yeah. for for a guy that's on the last year of his contract that is trying to you know make some money you know maybe you see some of a, 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 an uptick in those amount of moves and I think you might see an uptick in in some of the 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 you know the the first round picks for elite players or top of the line players that that may have a little bit of an uptick but I also think like I said the salary cap is going to play into some of this and the other thing too is that you know you have to remember that the the picks you know they they're losing their value for everybody yeah, yeah so yeah. you know so it, it's not like just because one team is, the value of the pick has gone down and now that makes the team that's trading away the pick more likely to trade it, but that doesn't necessarily mean, in fact, it probably doesn't mean that the team that would be receiving the first round pick is more likely to trade for it. If they, if they, right. they may not want to take right. on that, that crap shoot. So I think that it's, there's a lot of different angles to this. And, and, and because of that, and because of the uncertainty everywhere, I think in general, you know, because NFL teams in the league is generally kind of conservative. I can't imagine that it's going to be a huge boon to the trade market, but I think that this, that that yes, it will promote some of the aggressive teams. It, you and I brought it up. We thought the Colts are the team, yeah. that, and yeah. I agree. It, a, a young, aggressive team that's got tons of cap space. They're in a win now situation. You know, I think if I was the Colts, I would look at my roster, see what little holes I have left. And I wouldn't be afraid to trade second, third round picks to, to get solid answers to, uh, to those holes, just even if it's just a rental for one or two seasons. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think those are all fair points. I'm going to even give you another angle to, to consider. So when the Cowboys made the Amari Cooper trade in 2018, uh, they gave up a first round pick. And at the time, the Cowboys were three and five, right? So I think the Raiders were hoping that that pick fell somewhere in the top, what, 15, 16 at the very worst. Uh, the Cowboys ended up going on a run. That pick ended up becoming 27. You already saw this year with the Jets and the Seahawks trade of Jamal Adams. You know, the, C- the, the Jets said, hey, your first-round picks are likely going to be in the playoff spots. That's basically like taking on a second-rounder. We need two of your first-round picks. 
I don't know if the Cowboys, if teams across the league think the Cowboys are going to be a Super Bowl team this year, but it looks like the expectation is it's a, probably a playoff roster, right? Um, you know, they have one of the highest win totals in Vegas. Um, so I think their first round pick is going to carry a lot less value than, let's say, other teams in the division, like the Giants or, yep. you know, the Washington football team. So when you combine that with, you know, the uncertainty of next year's draft, I do think it's going to be a little bit harder to, to trade, but I also don't think it's wrong to, to potentially explore that option, right? If teams are willing to give away proven commodities at positions you need, sure, I'm, I think I'm more willing now than ever to give up a, you know, a first or second round pick for, for somebody who can help me this year. Um, so that's a great, great question. Um, we're going to come back and answer some more questions, but let's take a quick break. Okay, Landon, let's get to our next question. And this one kind of ties into the draft a little bit. This one's from Mike. Uh, Awuzie and Jordan Lewis are free agents this year. Do you believe the team would like them to get the nod in close camp battles to hopefully improve their stock in a season so when they could get big contracts this offseason, which could lead to better <laughs> comp picks? Now, this is, a, this is an interesting question because... It does sound a little bit like, okay, you're, you, why would you ever plan around fourth and fifth round comp picks? And why would you potentially play lesser players? But uh, we have seen a little bit of this, not this exact same example with the Cowboys before. And we were talking about this pre-show. I remember the 2018 season. The Cowboys uh, had the option of cutting Deontay Thompson in, by week 10 to pick up, I think it was a fourth round pick. Uh, they decided to do that. That's when the year Cole Beasley left. Um, so it, it's not unheard of, but this seems a little bit unrealistic, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love this question because this is a, 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 a question from a fellow, uh, uh, you know, friend of, of, of a team building. Yeah, you know, like this exactly. is this is a this is a deep in the weeds. Uh, 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 you know, next level thinking football Absolutely. question. The only thing is, and, and listen, I'm empathizing with your question here. Is that it's very myopic, and and mm-hmm. I tend to get, I tend to do this too. It's like you're thinking about the next step so much that you're you're really blowing past the big picture. And the big picture Correct. is that you're you're here to win football games, like, and and that's what's important. You you can't, you know. You're not going to do anything that's going to have any effect on whether you're winning football games next season. Uh, that for a comp pick, I think that there's you know like the, the example that you gave with Deontay Thompson is 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 really how that you know comp pick formula should be leveraged. It's it's a uh, a, a factor when considering a move. You know, right. it's it's a it's right. a it's it's a it's a weight to put on either end of the scale to figure out which you know which side is tipped to the better side. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a uh, a goal that you're working towards. I don't think it's something you know. It's 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 sort of like these people that are obsessed with what Dak is making to a certain degree, and I, and I'm not lumping this guy yeah, yeah. in with yeah, that sure. because I think this is a much more nuanced question there. But in the same sense that. 
we're not here to save cap money. We're no. not here to accumulate draft picks. Like, that's not what the goal is. Those are means to an end, and the end is winning football games and winning the Super Bowl. Correct. So, yeah, everything starts with what's what's going to help us win now and help us win this season to get to the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl. Everything outside of that is very secondary and is part of the weighing system, with, you know, with the eyes towards the ultimate goal of getting to the Super Bowl. And, you know, you, you do definitely want to set yourself up for – the future, and you do want to like keep the, the the long the long picture in mind for sure, but I but that definitely and I and I I, I again, I have done this so many times that I I am empathizing with you, uh, but I'm here to tell you that I, I think that we need to keep our eyes on the prize when we think about this stuff. The coaches, the you know, it's it's the same same thought process that I think is why we you know we never we haven't yet seen a team fully buy into the uh the tanking you know yeah. methodology yeah. it's because it's just too difficult in the NFL to survive with without you know trying to win every single game right that it, it, any kind of distraction from that you know I, I think it, it's good to hypothesize it's good to throw it out there when planning for the future but it's not what you're working towards what we try to work towards is winning and I think you know putting Putting your bets on on whether this player or that player will be a starting uh, defensive uh, starter on defense for you, so that you can get a comp pick the following year, is really kind of putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, and here's the other thing, and I hate to keep bringing up the salary cap, but again, I, I think if we don't have fans in stadiums, we know the salary cap's going to go down, and that's going to mess up a lot of things in terms of what we expect for comp picks, right? I don't think yep. you're going to see a ton of guys get signed in free agency. So somebody like Awuzie or especially a Jordan Lewis who doesn't have a lot of starts to his name could easily get lost in the shuffle as teams are just trying to cut players to get under that $175 million cap. So I I would not be making any plans on, you know, hey, we're, let's play this guy because he's going to get a big contract next offseason. I don't think anybody really has any idea how uh, free agency is going to work next year. Uh, this next question comes from Jay. Do you think it'll be hard for coaches to evaluate players since they are not playing any preseason games, or will practice and team scrimmages be enough to get a clear picture? Um, before I let you answer this one, Landon, I do want to say I think for the most part, and I've, I've said this for a while, I love preseason. It's great. It's so much fun to watch these players and evaluate them. But it's so overrated, man. I mean, we've seen how many guys have we seen for the Cowboys in the last decade? be fantastic in the preseason just absolutely spectacular than not even make the 53-man roster because what you do in practice is way more important than what happens in those preseason games right I think the I think they're overblown a little bit yeah to a, yeah to a large degree I agree I think that you know, most of what you get as far as evaluating the roster comes from what you see in practice situations uh you know in a lot of that is too because you know the best way to evaluate a player is to put him into a the closest to a game situation and and against the players that he would be playing against the NFL right and and seeing how they perform. That's not always the preseason though. You know, the preseason sure. is 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 a situation where you know, if I want to get an evaluation on my third string tight end, I got and I really want to see if he can make the team. I probably need to play him early in the game when he's playing against the first team guys yeah. because if I put him out there against the third team guys and he dominates, that doesn't really tell me anything, you yeah. know. So I and I so I think there is value in the preseason 
for rookies, for younger players, because I do think that what you see is there is a different speed between practice and preseason. Mm-hmm. There, there is a there is a stepping stone that happens between training camp practice and the regular season, and th- and that is the preseason games. I think even the, the the vets will tell you that it's good to go in and at least get a series, maybe two series of of them all working together, playing as close to full speed against another you know starting team, and then and and that's kind of their their warm up. I, I think that that part can be eliminated without too much hubbub. Yeah. I think the part that is really going to be problematic you know it's going to be for the younger players for evaluating younger players uh because i think that what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of these guys where on teams where they're still going to lean into the idea of trying to play younger players who they think are talented they get a good evaluation from them in training camp and then they put them out there week one and they look absolutely lost because it's just a different speed it's just you know you, the guys that you're going against are different than the yeah. guys you were going against at training camp, so it's it's harder to look better because you don't know every single thing about that guy like you do about the guy you're going against at training camp by the end of the training camp. So I just think that for some of these undrafted free agents, some of these rookies who are maybe not as high a pedigree and not as you know athletically gifted that are going to be able to step in and just you know automatically play with these guys. I think there is going to be some struggles for some of these younger guys because they aren't going to get that kind of stepping stone to get them up to speed. I just want to talk about sample size a little bit too because you know yeah, we've seen absolutely. we've seen guys dominate in the preseason. I'm going to use Rico Gathers for an example. Uh, this is somebody who I liked a lot, but uh, Rico had probably played 40 snaps in that one preseason. I think it was 2017. Uh, caught a couple touchdowns, uh, and then you know we we got to the year. And the Cowboys never used him. And, you know, they kept telling you, well, yeah, he made a couple nice plays in the preseason. It's what he did in practice, messing up, not lining up right, not running the right routes. When they have thousands of repetitions in practice that you're seeing him not be consistent, those are far more valuable than those 40 snaps in the preseason where he makes two great catches, right? And that's why I think it's not that big of a deal. It's not that hard to evaluate these players because if you're seeing them every single day for two hours a day on the practice field, you don't really need the preseason to know what they can do and what they can't do. So uh, it stinks for us fans who like to to follow these players, um, but I I don't think it's going to hurt teams all that much. Real quick, the last thing I'll just say is the the thing that kind of goes with what we're saying is that if you can, you know, on the other, on the flip side of what I was saying before about practicing against these guys all the time, if you have a young player who has been practicing against your vets this whole time, and by the end of training camp, he they still can't figure him out, mm-hmm. that's a good player, right? Sure. Like that's you know, so I, I think you don't need a preseason to figure that out to go put him out against another guy who doesn't know him. You've got a vet who's been playing against this guy and you know knowing these kids in training camp and the way they compete, they watch each other. Yeah. You know they yeah. like in a team so so that they can get an advantage in practice. So if if you've been doing that and, and working and focusing on this rookie and you still can't stop him, then you've got something in that player and that's probably all the evaluation you need to keep. That reminds me of like Tyron Smith's rookie year in 2011, yeah. right where he was going up against DeMarcus Ware and just just wasn't getting beat. He didn't need preseason games to show you that he was a good player. He was showing you in camp that uh, uh, he was already going to be one of the better tackles in the league. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer a few more questions. 
Okay, Landon, I really like this question from Daniel, and I'm curious to hear your answer. Uh, what are some wrinkles that Mike McCarthy might add to Kellen Moore's offense? We know that this offense isn't going to change a ton. Uh, Kellen Moore is still going to be calling the plays. But what do you think McCarthy can add to the offense? I'm actually kind of looking at this a little, a little bit backwards here is that I think what's going to be interesting is seeing a Mike McCarthy offense with Kellen Moore's shifts and motions. Okay. That's good. Because I think I think that that really, you know, I, I, first of all, I don't know that Kellen Moore's offense and, and Mike McCarthy's offense are terribly different. No, it's not. Right? We talked about how they kind of come from a very similar coaching tree if you go further further enough down into the roots that, you know, they, they kind of – all both venture from a sort of West Coast schemes and via uh, Paul Hackett and, and, and that sort of thing. I, I think that really what you saw from Mike McCarthy at Green Bay was a guy who was an offensive innovator for years, and then his offense kind of just got stale. And I and I think that a lot of what could have fixed the, uh, that is a lot of what Kellen Moore brought into the offense when he became the offensive coordinator. Shifts motions mm-hmm. making the defense you know have to account for all the players on the field uh making the defense have to reveal what their intentions are through shifts and motions and then and then allowing using that knowledge to help your quarterback identify the weak points in, in the defense that you're facing i think that that's really the the, the aspect that is going to be the most interesting to me is you know uh, uh a Green Bay, uh, you know, a, a Mike McCarthy called offense. This offense, you know, with the with the brashness and boldness of Mike McCarthy play calling, and then included with that the uh, Kellen Moore methodology, which can help, you know, get you the extra angle, get you the you know that that extra step on the defense by kind of revealing what you're facing before the snap. You know, sure. I, I I think that that those things combined really are what I'm looking forward to is this kind of uh, the way to get the best out of what you can run, all the different uh, route combinations and and, and all the different uh, looks that you can get out of eleven personnel. But but spiced up by by motion shifts and that sort of thing, which could always constantly keep the defense on their off on their toes. I also think, and again, it's not this isn't all Kellamore because I know Jason Garrett had some say in this as well. I'm looking forward to seeing the sequencing of how he uses plays. Right? Yeah. How often yeah. are they throwing the ball on first down on it's second and ten plays after it's you know non successful pass or a run. Are they going to be aggressive in trying to pick up a first down there? Or are they going to try to get into a third and manageable? Um, that kind of stuff I'm really interested to see, um, just to how those two align there. And then, again, being aggressive. Will it be you know, on fourth and three from midfield? Are they going to be aggressive there? Is Mike McCarthy going to be way more willing uh, to go for it in those situations? Um, those are just some of the little tweaks that I think McCarthy can have on this team. Uh, that can make them way more effective without having to completely change uh, the playbook. So uh, I think those are two, you know, interesting things that you mentioned about, you know, how the shifts and stuff could impact and then the, the play sequencing. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier and we will see you next time. Thank you.